Ephesians chapter 6. Um, as a pastor, there are uh, things that I think about a lot. Um, and probably things that most, I, I say normal people, don't think about a lot. Um, and, and it has to do with my position as a pastor. Uh, whether or not it's cultural issues or things going on in the church or just whatever, I, I, I think about things uh, uh, quite often, different things. And, and one such thought that I have has to do with our culture today uh, and those who are, quote, in the spotlight. Uh, people who um, are famous for whatever reason, uh, but we, we live in, in a culture where much is made of those who are in the spotlight. Uh, we, we know um, popular musicians, uh, famous actors, uh, politicians, um, name brand athletes, uh, head coaches, football and basketball teams, uh, things like that. We, we tend to know them, and the reason why we know them is because they are in the spotlight. Um, it seems like they are the ones that we see um, that are interviewed for things. They're the, they're the ones that are uh, talked about in our culture. If you're on social media, they're the ones that uh, everyone tends to follow or in, everyone tends to retweet or quote or, or whatever. Um, and and that, when that happens, those who aren't in the spotlight sometimes, actually a lot of times, are considered irrelevant. But, but I want you to think for a moment, and this is part of that process that, that I have, the things I think about. Think about where we would be without those who aren't in the spotlight for a moment. Think about what it would be if all we had were famous musicians um, but no band. Or famous actors with no supporting cast or extras. I don't know about you, but I love movies. I don't really think I would like movies if there's just one person in it. Or, or um, politicians without their researchers or their aides that help them. Or name brand athletes without the team. You know, you can have the best athlete in the world. Let's just say it's LeBron James for argument's sake. LeBron James beats no team by himself. No team. No team of five beats he can beat. No matter how good you are, think about where we would be without the teammates. The head coaches without the assistant coaches. The ones that do the grunt work a lot. Now, some of you are looking at me kind of crazy, and you're wondering why my mind is thinking about that and why I'm bringing that up on a Sunday morning when I'm about to preach a message, but the reason is, is it seems to me that those who aren't in the spotlight are needed just as much, if not more, than those who are in the spotlight. And the reason why I'm bringing that up this morning is because I fear that that mentality is also alive and well within the church. What I mean by that is, is we, we tend to talk about our Heroes of the faith, that's what we call them, heroes of the faith. Now, it, 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 that could be those from Scripture, it could be Paul, Peter, John, James, it, any of 
heroes from Scripture that we know. It, it could be Abraham, Moses, Noah, Daniel, David. It could be any of those that we know from Scripture. Or it could be our post-Scripture heroes of the faith. The ones that we know their names through history. Guys like um, C.H. Spurgeon or Billy Sunday or John Newton or D.L. Moody or men like that that we know their names because of the work that they did in the past or because of their popularity or their books that they sell to modern-day heroes of the faith. People like Billy Graham or John Piper or Matt Chandler, or John MacArthur, or Rick Warren, or David Platt, or Francis Chan, or Craig Rochelle, or, and I can just go on and on, and I should have hit some highlights of everyone in this room with at least one name that you know. The, the fact of the matter is, we think about that a lot, and a lot of times we emphasize those who are in the spotlight, and when we do, uh, the, there's danger in that, because when do, we relegate those who aren't in the spotlight to almost irrelevancy, and the problem is that the church over the history is made up of people not in the spotlight. And what happens in the church is that the ministry that the church is supposed to be doing gets relegated to just those in the spotlight instead of to everyone that is in the church. You see, we all have a role to play in the church. And, and I want you to know that this isn't a gripe for me because I'm telling you, in your eyes, I may be in the spotlight as your pastor. But in the big picture of the church, I am not in the spotlight. There are very few people outside of this town, Lone Grove, Sulphur, Roth, Ada, Wewoka, Am I missing any towns I served in before? There are very few people outside of anybody in those towns that even knows my name. So it's, this isn't me coming down on you. This is for us to remember who we are. And, and here's what I want to say this morning. Those that are in the spotlight are important and needed, but the church has been built on the backs of everyday, faithful Christian servants who are not in the spotlight. I mean, where would we be without the people like Edward Kimball? How many of you know who Edward Kimball is? Do, do you know who he is? Know the name, but okay. I got one that knows his name. Edward Kimball was just a simple Sunday school teacher that led a young man to Christ, and the young man's name was D.L. Moody, who ended up going overseas to a Billy, uh, and, and led a crusade where Billy Sunday was saved, who led another crusade where another guy by the name of Billy was saved, and that guy's name was Billy Graham. See, we know Billy Graham, we even know D.L. Moody, and we even know Billy Sunday, but very few of us know Edward Kimball. Where would we be without women like Beverly Smith or men like Mike Cheney or Herschel Williams or Harold Newman or Derek Hallam or Morgan Ashworth? Guarantee you those are names that very few of y'all have ever heard of. Where would we be without men like Horace Bennett or H.D. Stevens or James Hope or O.L. Jones? How many of you recognize those? Those are four previous pastors of Walika First Baptist Church. Where would we be without them? You see, the church is built not by those who are in the spotlight. 
It's built by everyday faithful servants of Jesus Christ. And where would we be as a church without those people? And I have a whole list of church members' names right in front of me that are in this church that faithfully serve. And I ask myself, where would we be without them? I can tell you, we wouldn't be. We wouldn't be. When I first moved here, I need to put it back up because it fell off. But when I first moved here, there was a plaque by that back door. It's, in, it's ingrained in my mind. It's in, my, it's in the office. And it simply said, if every member were just like me, what kind of church would this church be? Ministry of our church is not done by one person. Now, this is relevant to us because just two weeks ago, we lost one of our staff members. Who led our youth program? Who led our worship program? But one person does not lead a ministry. It takes everyone to accomplish the ministry. And, and so what I want to talk about today is being a faithful servant that's not in the spotlight. Because by and large, there's no one in this room, as of right now, there's no one in this room that would say, if we were honest, I'm in the spotlight when it comes to Christianity. I mean, very few people know who we are, right? And so how do we serve, not in the spotlight, but in the background, faithfully, where God can use us to build the church? And the way I want to do this today is I want to take a, 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 an instance from Scripture. I'm going to take a man from Scripture that's only mentioned twice. You will only find his name in all of Scripture two times. Yet, when we look at his life, just in those two instances, we find what it means to be a faithful servant of Christ, not in the spotlight. And what it's going to take for you and what it's going to take for me to make us a church of faithful, everyday followers of Christ who serve him for his glory to build the church. And so if you have your Bibles in Ephesians chapter 6, I'm going to ask if you would stand with me for the reading of God's Word this morning. We're just going to read two verses, and then I'm going to share three principles of being a faithful servant of Christ while we're not in the spotlight. Look down at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 21. He says, But that you also may know my affairs and how I am doing, Tychicus, now, you may have a different way to say it, but that's how I'm going to say it all day, okay? Tychicus, a beloved brother and a faithful minister in the Lord, will make all things known to you, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs and that he may comfort your hearts. Let's pray. God, today I pray that you bless the reading of your word, and now as we examine it this morning, I pray that I would decrease and that your spirit living in me would increase and that the words would be shared today would be yours and not mine. And Father, you would use them to impact our hearts and lives that we would all, as your children, be found faithful followers of your Son who serve you through him for your glory and for your honor to build your kingdom through this church. We pray these things in Jesus' name. 
Amen. You may be seated. So here's a man. His name is Tychicus. His name is mentioned in Ephesians 6. The only other time you will find his name is in Acts chapter 20. And in Acts chapter 20, Paul had in chapter 19 come to Ephesus. And when he came to Ephesus, he found some disciples or he made some disciples, however you want to look at that. And in chapter 19, some things happened in Ephesus. And then at the beginning of chapter 20, there is a list of men who are following Paul on his missionary journeys. And one of them's name is Tychicus. Tychicus is from Asia. He is one of the original disciples of Paul in Ephesus that became a disciple of Paul. And here he is, the next time you see him, that's in Acts 20, is here, which is towards the end of Paul's ministry and life, while Paul is in prison, writing a letter to the church in Ephesus that's going to be hand-delivered through a man named Tychicus. So here's a man who has served along with Paul for years, but we know very little about him. We, we know where he's from, we know where he showed up, and we know the last time he's mentioned, and that's really all we know about him. But if you look at the instances where he is found in those two passages of Scripture, Acts chapter 20 and Ephesians chapter 6, you're going to find three very crucial principles of being a faithful servant that's not in the spotlight. The first one is, he was a, or he was a let me say it first, I get them out of order. He was a selfless servant. He was selfless. Now, for you to really understand what it means to be selfless, you have to understand what, it, uh, for you to understand that he was selfless, you have to understand what it means to be selfless. You see, to be selfless, selfless, not selfish, selfless means to have no concern for yourself. That's what it means to be selfless, to have no concern for yourself. Now, that plays out in two different ways. One way in which we show we have no concern for ourselves is in our elevating of others as more important than ourselves. It is to understand that you and I don't need the accolades. It's that you and I don't need the, the awards. We don't need our name in the paper. We don't need to be the one that's known. It's to elevate others as more important than yourself. To have no concern for self in the way people see you. You basically have no need to be in the spotlight. That's what it means. To be selfless means you don't have any need to be in the spotlight. And the second way that it plays out is to have no concern for your own safety. To be selfless means to have no concern for self and in a way in which that you aren't even concerned for your own safety. You are willing to lay it all down to help others. You are willing to put yourself in harm's way to help someone else. Now, there are a lot of different examples of those two ways that we see. You can look at them in lots of different ways. But I want you to know, and it's something that, uh, and I've been doing some coaching again this year uh, at the high school, volunteering to coach the linemen. And one of the things that I teach them early is that you can't be a good lineman unless you're selfless. And here's the, here's the reason why. You're never going to get the accolades. If you want your name in the paper, you need to play something else. No one will ever talk about how great your line is. They won't come back and say it. 
And so if you need to be in the spotlight, you don't need to be playing on the line because you're never going to be in the spotlight. Unless you do something bad, and then you get put in the spotlight. But the second thing is to be a good offensive lineman is you have to be willing to put yourself in harm's way for someone else. Colton's running back, right? Got hurt a little bit Friday night. Still hurting? Yeah, he hurt his neck Friday night. If I want to be a lineman, a good lineman, and he's my running back, I have to be willing to lay myself down for him. And guess what happens when he scores? He gets the accolades. But do you score without your line? No, you can't. To be selfless means to exalt others above yourself. You don't need to be in the spotlight, and you're willing to put yourself in harm's way for other people's benefit. And, and that's what Tychicus was. Now, how do I know that? Because the two places where Tychicus is mentioned is in Scripture is in Acts chapter 20 and here. And in Acts chapter 20, he's with Paul in Ephesus. But if you read chapter 19, while he's with him, a riot breaks out in Ephesus. In Ephesus, they're so angry with Paul, and not so much with Paul, but what they, what they called the way, by the way, that's what it was called, the way, which was the gospel message of Jesus. Jesus was known as the way, okay, and that's what they called it. And they were so bent out of shape over the way and Paul preaching it that a riot broke out. But yet, even in the midst of a riot in which they are trying to lay hands on Paul and his followers, Tychicus never fled. Now, if he had any desire for self-preservation, he would have left. Right? I don't know about you, but if I'm in a situation where something might happen to me and I don't really want to be involved in that, then by self-preservation, I'm going to leave. I'm going to get out of that spot. But Tychicus stayed. He stayed all the way through chapter 19. He stayed all the way through chapter 20. And then all these years later, which we know what's happened to Paul. Paul was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was imprisoned on more than one occasion. Yet, here he is still serving with Paul. That's selfless. That's selfless. And notice also, he never went out on his own. He never went out on his own saying, I need to be the one. I need to be the one that's doing all the teaching. I need to be doing the one that everybody's talking about. Oh, here comes Paul, one of the guys that's helping turn the world upside down. I need to be on a first-name basis with everyone. He just stayed selfless, putting his own needs above, uh, below the needs of others to support them in their task. And that's what Ty Chikas did. He was a selfless servant. And if you and I want to be servants for Christ in the background, you have to be selfless. You have to come to a point where you realize it's not about you. It's not about what people say about you. It's not about your accolades, your trophies, your awards. It's not about that. It's about exalting Christ so that God can build his church. That's what it means to be a selfless servant. So that's the first aspect of being a, ser a, a servant of Christ that's not in the spotlight. The second one uh, that Tychicus show, shows us is not only was he selfless, but he was steadfast. 
Now, I mentioned this just a second ago, but to be steadfast means to be firmly fixed in place, firm in belief and determination. It means loyal to your cause. Now, now look at what Paul calls him in verse 21. So to be steadfast, let me repeat that, means to be firmly fixed in place, firm in your belief and your determination. It means to be loyal to your cause. Now, look at what Paul says about him in verse 21. But that you also may know my affairs and how I am doing, Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister to the Lord, will make all things known to you. Did you catch that? A faithful minister to the Lord. That word faithful means something in Scripture. It means to be faithful. And not everyone who was a follower of Christ was called a faithful follower of Christ. There were many who followed Christ that abandoned Christ along the way. There were many who followed the disciples and then abandoned the disciples. There were many who followed the gospel and then abandoned the gospel. As a matter of fact, that's one of the main primary reasons for Paul writing to the church in Galatia, because they were in danger of abandoning the gospel to go back to their old, way, old religious ways. So there were many who abandoned them over their years, and here, all these years later, and I've always found it inter interesting, in Acts chapter 20, there are several men mentioned. But the only one mentioned here in Ephesus... Now, I'm not saying he's the only one still there, but the one we know is still there is Tychicus. Of all those other men that were mentioned, we don't see their names again at all. But here's Tychicus still there, and Paul calls him a faithful minister. Listen, you, you are not faithful unless you're steadfast. Firm in your belief, firm in your determination, and firm in your loyalty to your cause. I mean... If you're faithful to your spouse, doesn't that mean you've been loyal to your spouse? Isn't that what that means? You wouldn't say someone is loyal to their spouse who's not steadfast to their spouse. You wouldn't say someone's loyal to their job who hasn't been steadfast in their job. You wouldn't say someone is loyal to their cause if they've abandoned the cause. And here is Paul talking about Tychicus, who we know nothing about virtually, and telling us he is a faithful minister of the Lord. He was a steadfast servant. And what that means, and I mentioned this a second ago, but he never sought his own glory. He just served. He just served. I can't count how many I know that started in the ministry when I started in 1999, when I was 19 that I met, but there were four of us at East Central University that were freshmen at East Central that went into youth ministry all in the same two, three month span. And I don't say this to brag on myself because it's not a work of mine. I will tell you no one stays in the ministry unless they're called to ministry because it's not easy. But I'm the only one left in vocational ministry. Now some of them are serving, but not vocationally. And, and when you ask them not really when you ask them, when you sit back and I watched as two of them in particular begin to play what's known as the game. 
In Southern Baptist life, that means that you go to one church as a stepping stone to the next church. As a stepping stone to the next church. As a stepping stone to the next church. And you always have an end goal. Whether or not it's to be working for the convention, whether or not it's to be in a certain size church, to receive a certain size paycheck, or have certain types of benefits, whatever. It's known as the game. And when I say that, I named it that. And the reason why I named it that was because in my ministry for the last 20 years, I've seen it over and over and over and over and over again. And you know what ends up happening? They quit. Because instead of being faithful to their cause, they were faithful to themselves. Instead of being faithful to go where God told them to go, they were faithful to go where they wanted to go. And that's not what Tychicus did. He was steadfast and selfless to the same cause, serving alongside Paul, who originally converted him. Now, that doesn't mean God doesn't call people away and they don't need to go to certain places and do certain things. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying you shouldn't do it because you want to do it. You do it because God tells you to do it. And here's Tychicus showing us what it means to be selfless, what it means to be steadfast, and then thirdly and last, he was sensitive. He was a sensitive servant. If you and I want to be true, everyday, normal, faithful servants of Christ that God will use to build his church, you and I have to be sensitive. Now, this is where some men check out. <laughs> sensitive, I'm out. I mean, I don't want to have anything to do with sensitivity. I mean, we were taught early on that sensitivity is not a manly uh, quality. That's not what men do. We're not to be sensitive. We don't show our emotions. And some of you men are like, uh, still, you're not even going to show any emotions when I say that. Because you know that's, not, that's what we've been taught. But I want you to understand, when I say sensitive, I have, I'm not saying anything about our emotions. It, when, when did I read anything about Tychicus that shows that he was emotional? That he cried? We don't know. He, he may have. I don't know. It's not read, and we don't read it. But what we did know, notice, and what we did read is go back and look at verse 22. So he's a faithful minister to the Lord, will make all things known to you, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose. Listen that you may know our affairs and that he may comfort your hearts. That he may comfort your hearts. To effectively serve the Lord as a faithful servant of Christ, one who ministers to others for the purpose of building the kingdom of God, it requires a type of sensitivity. When he says that Paul was sent, Paul sent him to comfort your hearts, Paul sending his faithful friend, his faithful co-minister in the Lord to do something very important, and that was to encourage and comfort the church in Ephesus, who, if you read the very end of Acts chapter 20, you find that Paul told them they would never see him again face to face. And they were distraught. Matter of fact, it says that they fell on his neck. They were so upset because Paul says, you will never again, when I leave, and he was there for about three years, 
you will never again see my face. And they fell on his neck. And here's Paul writing to them so that they'd be comforted. But notice he didn't say, I'm comforting you. He says, I'm sending you word so that Tychicus, my faithful minister of the Lord, will comfort your hearts. We live in a world that needs people. We, let me say it like this. We live in a world of people that need comfort. You can't bring comfort to someone unless you're sensitive to them. You can't cover someone... Cover, uh, you can't do that for someone and bring comfort to them if you're not at least sensitive to their needs or sensitive to their hurts or sensitive to their pains or sensitive to their struggles or sensitive to their situation. How do you comfort someone if you have no sensitivity to them? And that's why Tychicus is so important to us. Because if we truly live in a world that's hurting, and we do, whether or not they admit they're hurting or not, they are, how do we comfort them if we're not sensitive to them? You can't. When you're not sensitive to someone's hurt, it's easy to sit back and go, it's what you get. Make your bed, you got to lay in it. By the way, I, I've, I've made that statement recently. You make your bed, you got to lay in it. See, what was it? If you uh, lie down with the dogs, you're going to get the fleas. We, we've, we've heard that. That's not really being sensitive to the person. If we're going to bring comfort, we have to be sensitive. And Tychicus was the man for the job for Paul. He sent him to do something very specific, comfort the hearts of the church in Ephesus, and he knew that Tychicus was the man for the job because Tychicus was selfless. It wasn't about him. Because Tychicus was steadfast, he was firm in his determination, he was loyal to his cause, and because he was sensitive to the people's hurt and would be able to bring comfort to them. I'm going to close with just this short story, but... When I was at Lone Grove as the youth pastor, in my last year of youth ministry, we had a freshman football player and his friend on a Friday night were picked up uh, by their dad, uh, one of them's dad, and they were going home, and they decided they got to a stop sign that's out in the country, there's not really any traffic right there, and they decided when they got there that they were going to play the Chinese fire drill. If you don't know what that is, that's where everybody jumps out of the car and you run around try to get in the door Well, before the driver does and takes off. Well, the driver was the dad, and he jumped in the car, and he hit the gas, and the boy getting in the back seat didn't get all the way in, and it drug him under the car, and it killed him. And I remember getting the call. I was on my way back to Lone Grove from my parents' house, getting a call that I needed to go to the hospital. So I went home, I dropped family off, and I went to the hospital. I came out. The boy that was with him was the one that I saw first. And I asked him how he's doing. He said he didn't make it. And I remember kids everywhere. And I remember going, how do I minister to these kids? I don't know how. 
and they they told everyone they came out and said guys there's nothing you can do here the school has opened up the gym and so we want everybody to go back out to Lone Grove and just go to the gym we'll, we'll meet up there and the football coach said hey we need you to make sure you come to the gym okay we're gonna do that so I came out to the gym and I was there and there were kids just crying and hurting like you could believe like you can imagine they just lost a friend and everybody in those teenagers knows that teenagers don't think anything like that can happen to them and so they're hurting and they're scared and they're deflated and they're and, and there was just pain everywhere and I remember praying God I don't know how I don't know how to to minister I'm their youth minister I know all these kids and I didn't even feel like I could open my mouth because if I did I wasn't going to be bringing comfort to them and so I struggled, and I struggled, and I struggled. And about that time, my pastor, Morgan Ashworth, who was one of the men I quoted at the beginning of our message, pulls up, gets out of the car, walks over, and with a smile on his face, started hugging those kids, going, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. They were crying. It's okay. It's okay to cry. And just, I sat back and went, wow. Never been in a situation where one person showed up and it changed the dynamic like that. Those kids went from boo-hooing to smiling and telling stories and memory of their friend who had just died when one person showed up, bringing the comfort of God to the situation that was at hand. And Morgan told me after that, he said, it's not about what you see. See, I was worried about what to say. He says, it's not about what you say. It's about the fact that they see you and they know you care. When you see them and you're sensitive to their hurt, you are able to minister to them when other people can't. It's the greatest lesson I think I ever learned in my ministry that if we want to bring comfort to others, we have to be sensitive to them. And the church for the last 2,000 years has been built by people like Morgan Ashworth, who none of you have ever met, who is, and, and to this day, selfless, steadfast, and sensitive. And you and I have members in this church that are equally selfless and steadfast to their cause and still sensitive to the Spirit. You know who they are. I don't have to say their names. They're in this church. There's some of them sitting here this morning, and you know who they are. But God wants all of us to serve like that. He wants all of us to be selfless. It's not about me. He wants all of us to be steadfast, to stand firm and be loyal to Christ and to his church. And he wants all of us to be sensitive to the needs of others so we can minister to them when they need it most.